Hello, I'm Lucy Heyman, and welcome to the final COVID episode of the Elevate Music podcast in partnership with Help Musicians. Today, we're looking to the future. It feels like the UK is coming out of lockdown fast, and the government has recently announced that live music can go ahead indoors from the 1st of August. But will this actually be the case? To answer this question, I'll be speaking to CEO James Ainscoe of Help Musicians, who will tell me a bit more. With this continuing corona coaster, as it has been called, some of us are still finding it really difficult to move forward and get on with life as normal. I know I'm still nervous about going into shops and fear about the virus and what's ahead is still a cause of anxiety for me at times. To help with this, I spoke to psychotherapist Whitney Schowler, who gave me some great tips about dealing with uncertainty. And she explained why we need to be honest about how difficult this period can be at times. But first, A lot of musicians have portfolio careers, and for some that involves being teachers, managers to other artists, or putting on their own festivals. This is something that Mike Christie from the band G4 does. He runs the Isle of Wight's proms, among other things, and has found that the pandemic has stopped him performing in venues, but it has also really impacted the festivals that he puts on. However, he's been able to adapt in some pretty novel ways, so let's take a listen to Mike's story. It's hard because I'm a very positive person. I think very positively and it's such a negative situation and the whole of the entertainment and live events industries have just gone into meltdown and it's such doom and gloom. And um, I think it's a really catastrophic situation, actually. And it's very hard to portray that across to people because people rely on live music and live shows all the time and suddenly it's all gone. And many, many people like myself and um, companies, venues, artists, you know, some some of them, many of them will never recover again from this. It's such a huge deal and it, it continues still, you know, and it's there's no real end in sight. It's hard to know really when we'll be back to normal and actually normal will be a different thing. And this industry is tough enough already. You know, we don't need a thing like this. Just to put myself into context in terms of what I do, I have sort of two sides of my work. I am a self-employed singer, which means I'm employed by companies and individuals to perform in shows from, I'm classically trained, so from opera to musical theatre, pop, rock, but also I run my own production company and I'm the sole director of that and I employ two people full-time who are currently furloughed. And it's a bit of a weird situation because actually I can't, me personally, I don't get any help from the government. There's obviously these grants going out, people can be furloughed, which is great. I've been able to use that as part of my my company. But as an individual, I can't claim anything from self-employed because you've got to have at least 50% income through that. And because I'm a director of a company, everything funnels into that and I get paid through dividends. So... I also can't furlough myself in the company because I need to carry on with all the background work while my staff are furloughed um, that I've obviously spent a while training them up, getting them ready so they can do the work that we need to do with these events. And whilst the events this year, certainly, I mean, when lockdown was announced and that all happened, it was literally a case of I lost absolutely all of my work overnight indefinitely. And that's everything from singing as a performer from the live events and the events that we put in as a company. So we do outdoor events. We also book tours for artists, a range of 
um, artists across the UK. Some will have 50, 60 dates in a year. And these get booked sort of two years in advance up to. And so already when you book them, you've got to wait two years before you get the income. But now we're having to postpone those. Normally my staff would do that. So instead, I'm postponing these tours. So it all gets quite confusing, really. And going back to the touring, so for example, I'm also in a band, a vocal harmony group called G4, and we had 60 tour dates booked in the UK this year, which were from September onwards. And when lockdown started, it was a case of, well, maybe come September, things might have eased a bit, but it's clearly not going to happen. And so our September and October dates, which is over 30 dates, we've already had to move. So that's something I've had to do personally. And because of availability, obviously everything in lockdown it's from, say, March onwards, all of those shows that are booked in venues have had to delay their shows. So in terms of availability, we've had to move those dates to October next year and April 2022. You mentioned that you think quite positively. How have you coped with this just horrific uncertainty? It's a good question. I think, obviously, mental health is a huge topic these days because actually we now talk about it we didn't used to talk about it it was embarrassing people were ashamed and didn't realize actually how most of us are deeply affected and particularly during lockdown something I do actually is I I've now started doing my own solo shows which I perform from this room I've got my keyboard here and I do live shows every week which is very useful income and I'm very honest with my audience and I say you are showing that you love me as an artist, you appreciate my music and you want me to carry on. Because if you don't support me, because there, there's so much free content out there, isn't there, that is wonderful. I mean, it is amazing. We can sit down and watch anything we want from operas, musicals all around the world with amazing artists. But the performers are not being paid. That's the problem. So we need to sort of transition. I've really got my mind into other things. So with, with the live shows, I actively talk about mental health. And I say to people watching, it's totally okay to feel rubbish. It's totally okay to not want to leave the house, to want to eat chocolate all day and to feel really bad about the situation. And it's important that we feel that sense of, oh goodness, what are we going to do? But I think also as well with celebrities, people that are, are idols that we look up to, often they look as though they have this amazing life and they live in amazing houses and you know, they've got so much money that it doesn't matter if they don't do shows or whatever. But actually, we all go through the same problems, no matter where we are on the scale of celebrity or not. And it's important that people realise that. And I have bad days and good days. But obviously, when I'm presenting on a camera, I'm excited because I get to perform. And that's what I love doing. And I think that's what we miss with live music and live theatre, whether you're an audience member or you're a performer. It's a therapy it's absolutely a therapy. You go and you're so engrossed. And I think we need that for our mental health because we are obsessed with our phones. We've always got our phones on the go, going through social media, checking on emails. And actually when you're on a show, your phone's away and you just don't think about anything else in the world. And that escapism is so important for our mental health. But during lockdown, the way I've helped myself is I've really got myself stuck into projects in the house because I've got a house which needs a lot of love. It's a lovely house. And I actually bought some eggs, some hatching eggs at the beginning of lockdown and hatched them out in an incubator and then created a vlog 
And it was an amazing experience for me to sort of get my head stuck into that. I was able to offer free content online for people to watch, to escape their difficult situation as well and hatched out chickens and quails and all of that still available on YouTube on my YouTube channel to watch. And having that journey, having that focus was really good. And then obviously building a run for the chickens, building an aviary for the quail. I've also built a garage. This is my studio, which has been a a building site since before Christmas when I went on tour with G4 for the G4 Christmas tour. I've had these projects to really get myself engage in it and then during that time it's given me space to think right what am I going to do how am I going to make income how can we put shows on in this situation and it's really really difficult but I think the positivity is what helps me in a mental health situation I lost my dad when I was in my 20s he was in his 50s he had cancer and it was so horrific but that really kind of made me grow up but made me appreciate life And he gave me great strength. And that strength is certainly something I've used myself during the lockdown. And it's something when I'm talking to my audiences or people online, it's something that I talk about as well to hopefully give them strength. Because as well, people have had the most horrific bereavements during this period. And it's been great to be able to offer music live to people still during this time because it it really has helped. Some of the other things I've done is as part of G4, we've done something called the Boredom Busters. And it was every other day. We did it until a couple of weeks ago, really, when the lockdown slightly started to ease. It felt like the right time to stop. But we did it for months where we did it every other day. And it was 15 minutes on live on Facebook. And the four of us would just chat about a load of rubbish a lot of the time, just silliness. We would dress up in fancy dress with a different costume each time. We would um, answer questions from people and we would always ask them questions and review them in the next one. And that's something that people said that really helped us. And so it's been a real pleasure and really touching that something like that can make such a difference to people. And on an individual level, is there anything that you've done during this period that you have found positive that you want to take forward, apart from your live shows? I think me and I think for everyone, I think we've all been a lot more sociable during lockdown, ironically, not being able to meet up. But when you think of the regular family chats, I mean, I've got an amazing family, we're really close and we chat regularly anyway, but we don't chat every single week. And that's something that's come about. And I think we'll be more open to doing that more regularly. And I think that will be a good thing. And again, appreciating family and seeing what they're going through and to be able to discuss each other's sort of industries, each other's jobs, each other's worlds, and kind of get an appreciation of the different struggles people are having. And you realise that actually everyone is struggling. So I think it's being social. I think that's something I'll carry on with and just, you know, made me realise that life's so important that you've got to make the effort and you've got to do it, which we've done automatically because we've had nothing better to do than just sit on all these video calls all the time. And I think that's a huge positive and so important for our mental health because without people in our lives and our family and our friends, we're nothing really. It's very difficult to cope without that, having that support out there. That was Mike Christie. And if you want to watch his videos, have a look at Mike Christie on YouTube where he posts regular updates. 
I loved what Mike was saying about the importance of your network and friends over the last few months. And as things get busier again, those regular check-ins are definitely something I want to continue doing. So a lot of what Mike has had to deal with recently will be familiar to the next person we're going to hear from. Rick Leon James is an artist and producer and has worked with everyone from Shaka Khan to Sheik and Amy Winehouse to Ellie Golding. Like Mike, Rick remains incredibly positive and is optimistic about the future despite the current circumstances. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do and how you've been affected over the last few months? Well, I'm a musician touring mainly with different artists in the last year and my own band. So how I've been affected, it was just basically, as you can imagine, lost lots of gigs and a lot of opportunities to tour with the other artists and just lost a lot of opportunities to keep the business going and make money. So can you tell me specifically about what happened when lockdown was first announced? in terms of what was happening with your work and what what you were envisaging was going to be happening for this year and how that has changed? I think I was in Australia. I was touring in Australia, but we had to cancel at least six gigs. And then, you know, we had to jump back on the plane and come back to London. Well, I wanted to put some big shows together. I had a nice, a, a big venue interested in putting on a show where I was going to collaborate with a lot of friends that I have in the industry. We sort of got the go ahead, you know, and a lot of people was interested in it. And this would have been the biggest gig I've had. So it was coming up to that climax. I started getting all my own gigs together and then lockdown came out. Everything stopped. The thing about gigging is that you get to learn so much when you're on the road. Like with my band, it's fairly a new band. So you get to learn while you play every different concert, you know, it's a learning process. So all of that was like wiped out. Have you been able to work at all? Have you been able to write anything or has it it literally just been completely impossible? I I wrote a lot of music during the lockdown and prep a lot of stuff and realised there's a lot of music like I've done in the past. Like I realised I have at least maybe six, seven albums sitting there so just get time to go over stuff and see you got a nice body of work there that you could potentially invest some time in and put it out for the people so writing it was really good for that I must say and so how do you feel when you look to the future at the moment it's a lot of uncertainty but at the same time it's a case of surrendering and just Mm -hmm. saying yeah it is what it is I guess it's like our life is pretty much in the hands of everyone else. We just don't know what's happening out there. We're not in control. So like even when you put your music out, you're not in control of it anyway. So it's a lot of uncertainty. And for me, it's more, like I said, it's a surrender stage. Get creative at home, you know, make sure the health is okay. Drink your little ginger tea and garlic tea and whatnot <laughs> to keep you healthy. Do your meditations, do your little thing just to, you know, stay ready. Keep practicing, keeping supple, keeping warm. Keep the mind thinking of possibilities always. Use the time to probably gain some knowledge. You know, don't give up on the vision because there's uncertainty. 
So how do you keep that motivation to your vision? Because I know a lot of musicians have been really struggling with motivation, like during this period. And I think finding ways to keep that dream and that joy alive are really important. Yes, it's quite hard. It's a difficult one at the moment, right? For me, I know if I practice, I know the outcome of practice. That's why that's one of the reasons I, I will keep practicing. And just like how we wasn't aware that this whole situation was going to change, in the same way, I'm not aware if it's going to change for better. My main focus is my love for the music. That's what I, I got into this because I love music. So whether we playing for thousands or one person or for myself, we really love the music and we keep the hope and the vision that something that's going to change and then we will get back to things. Mm. That's all I can really do. Do you have a journal where you write down the things that you want to achieve? Yeah, journal is a big part of it, yeah. So would you have any advice for anyone listening who might want to try journaling in terms of writing down their goals or their dreams? Yes, journaling is great because, you know, when you have negative feelings and and you just have it bottled up inside, so it's good to get it out, whether it's through creativity. I see journaling as a form of creativity, you know, using your hands, so creative and, you know, linking your thoughts. So you get it out in that way. Or some people journal by, you can do it via audio form as well. Just press record and let it out. Just get it out of you. Because some of the feelings we might be having is because we haven't said anything about what we're feeling. So journaling is a nice way to, you know, express your feelings. So journaling is a definitely a yes for me. Is there anything that you've seen within your musical community that gives you hope for the future for the sector? Help musicians. They help me and a few others. That give us a little hope to say, like, if we're in a situation like that, we got like a big brother or big sister someday just to help us. And that gave me a little bit of hope. That was nice. That's, that's, that was great. We didn't know people were like, oh, they exist. So that, that was hopeful. Can you tell me a bit about how they helped you? They helped with um, money. They helped with letting us understand that if we need to talk about stuff, they point us in the direction of different people we can speak to if, you know, if it's mental health caused by the COVID-19 or if it's financial help. I thought it was real cool because I didn't know there was organization out there like that. So to find that, I was like very appreciative, very grateful. And are you making any plans for the future now or are you just going to see how it evolves? I have three projects I'm, I'm very interested in I would like to put out. And I'd like to teach, give back from my perspective. Because I play all the instruments, all on the same level, right? All equally. And I took a different approach, a strange approach, but it worked for me. So I would like to teach the younger generation. So you have hope for the future? I definitely am hopeful for the future, yes. That was Rick Leon James. To check out some of the music he's written as a solo artist, as well as those tracks he's produced for others, go to his website at rickleonjames.com. Next, I spoke to LA-based psychotherapist Whitney Schowler. Whitney is part of the Music Industries Therapist Collective, an organisation that is dedicated to providing high-quality psychotherapy and to help alleviate the mental health issues for those working in the music industry. What's it like 
being a psychotherapist and going through this experience, I would imagine you must be coaching your clients through something that you're experiencing too. Like, can you tell me about that? Yes, it's unique. Obviously, psychotherapists have their own life challenges all the time, but they're usually pretty unknown to our clients. You know, most psychotherapists don't disclose, they don't share what they're going through. But this situation is so different because we are all going through it. We're all experiencing it. I personally did not do sessions over Zoom before the lockdown. So it was a whole new ball game for me and learning the technology. And it, it becomes really a moment of, of sharing and relating with clients because, of course, you know, the work is with them and the focus is on them, but there is this really shared experience that we can talk about and that we can understand and they can understand about us. And I think it leads to deeper connection and, and deeper work. Is there anything from your psychotherapy practice that you were able to incorporate into your daily routine or ways of coping? Absolutely. It has been a challenge to keep my daily routine, which is something that I talk to clients about all the time and making sure that I am, you know, getting up in the morning and taking care of myself and getting exercise, you know, not eating when I feel down about the situation and not using those other, you know, self-soothing techniques when I'm really struggling with my emotions. So it's, it's been really a practice in using my own techniques and using my own feedback to clients to, to get through a really challenging time for all of us. And so what are the benefits of a morning routine? The benefits for me are really just a sense of normalcy. They really give a person this this container, this feeling of control, even though it's it's really uh, you know not true. We, we have no control, <laughs> but it, it gives a sense of, of control, a sense of purpose, a sense of expectation when we're in this time of high anxiety and uncertainty. So it just gives some, some really small comforts of, of what to expect and what we can manage. Can you tell me a little bit about what you heard in Mike and Rick's interviews? First of all, I think that both of them are so brave to have contributed interviews and and to speak with you and your audience about what they've been going through. And what I heard from them was a lot of loss. It was a loss of not only their livelihood, but their creative expression, their ways of connecting to an audience, you know, in Mike's case, uh, you know, loss of help of, of his employees that have been furloughed. So really, you know, kind of personal loss, professional loss, financial loss. I think there's a cultural aspect of, of you know, folks in, in the U.S. and the U.K. where we try to minimize these experiences. And we think about loss it only applies when someone dies, and that's not the case. And and someone might say, well, loss, oh gosh, it sounds so exaggerated, it sounds really overdramatic. 
And I would encourage folks not to minimize what we're going through because it is an extraordinary loss that is painful and that requires grieving and requires our attention. In terms of that loss, when you say try not to minimize it, obviously it can be such an uncomfortable place to be in that feeling of loss. How can you manage that state or what can you do that doesn't make you, as you say, go and kind of grab some chocolate or hit the bottle of wine? Have you got any suggestions? Exactly. I do. Well, you know, Mike talked about, you know, being this very positive person and and living in positivity, but then also he brought up the loss of his father and and sort of the strength he gained from that. And I, I don't think that that was a coincidence that he brought that up during this conversation. And the strength that he was able to gain from that was because he went through it, because he experienced the loss, he came out the other side. So of course, I'm not advocating that we sort of, you know, stay in the loss and wallow and, you know, become very depressed. Of course, some people, you know, will will have that struggle. And and that is um, a challenge that is to be expected, considering what we're going through. But by in the moments when we feel sad, uh, to cry, to experience those feelings, to not try to push them away, not try to minimize them or to extinguish them. And I think people will be surprised. It, it takes a lot of effort, actually, to try to get away from difficult feelings and, and manage uncomfortable feelings. And when I sit through them and experience them, they tend to pass in a relatively short period of time. And then, you know, I can find ways to process them. Rick talked about, you know, journaling and writing. And I thought that was an extraordinary way to, to cope. You know, so many creative people are having trouble trouble being creative right now. So it might be too much to ask to write a new song or really work on your craft. But talking about the experience, writing about the experience uh, can be extraordinarily helpful. And those two processes use different parts of the brain. So if I'm working with a really difficult emotion, I might want to talk about it and write about it. I'm I'm probably thinking about it as well. And those three processes can all really help me get through it. So obviously, we've spoken a lot about uncertainty. But also for musicians, I think that financial instability and financial uncertainty really contributes to mental well-being. Can you tell me a bit about the connection between the two? Absolutely. People, in order to function in a healthy way, need to feel safe. They need to feel secure at the most basic level. It's really an old evolutionary need that people have. And, and obviously, you know, when people, you know, uh, began, you know, that this financial need wasn't the safety that they needed. That was more physical safety. But financially, that can be, you know, really the greatest sense of safety that anyone can have now. So to have that instability of not knowing how I'm going to take care of myself, take care of my family, it's very terrifying. And it it brings about a fear that is old and that is deep and, and that is really hard to cope with. And, and that's another one, you know, I use the word fear. Someone might say, oh, well, that sounds, you know, overly dramatic. That sounds like too much. It's, it's worry, it's anxiety. But I would encourage anyone 
listening to really find that fear and actually name it and try to sit with it, even though it is very uncomfortable. And I can understand why so many people who are going through the financial instability of the lockdown and of the COVID-19 situation are very distraught and, and really struggling. And I think that it was incredibly brave of Rick to reach out to help musicians to, to get some support and to get some help. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. Mike was talking about the the benefits of the escapism that we can get from going to a live show and how good that is for your mental health. Can you tell me a bit about that? Absolutely. The power of, of music and especially live music, witnessing a performance, listening to the music with other people it's just transformational. It's transformational for the artists and for the people who are in the audience. And it, it really taps into this community, this sharing of a really special experience and to be listening together and watching you know, something that will never happen again. It's only that moment in time. It's it's really powerful for people. And, you know, he mentioned folks have their phones away, which, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But if, if they're out, they're usually not. They're not um, focused on the phone. And, and it's that uh, experience of being in the moment, which is, I think, the magical piece of live music. No one is, you know, thinking about the future or ruminating about the past. It's it's really this opportunity for people to all be right in the here and now, which is a very exciting and safe place to be. So within the US, is there anything you've seen so far that gives you hope for the sector? Oh, I think there's a lot of hope. I think artists who, I mean, like Mike and Rick, who are writing during this time, which is extraordinary because during times of uncertainty and stress and fear, it's even more difficult to be creative but there are artists that are doing so. There are artists that are finding new ways to connect with their fans through video chat or, you know, other creative means. And I think it's hopeful just to see the, the outpouring of connection and relating, seeing artists in their homes, talking about their experience, looking after their own families. It's almost like the, the curtain has kind of been pulled down and there's this window into the lives of, of people that otherwise we wouldn't be able to see. And I think it's going to create a, a deeper appreciation for the artist as, as well as their art. For more information on the work that Whitney does as a therapist, visit her website, whitneyshowler.com. And that was great advice about why morning routines are so important. So I'm definitely going to try and stick to one of those. We'd love to hear how things have been for you and how you're feeling about the future. You can always get in touch at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at elevatemusicpod. And remember, there's a lot of support and funding still available. And we've got a comprehensive list in the show notes. So do take a look as you never know when some of those services might be helpful. The government recently announced that live music can finally go ahead indoors. 
To find out more, I spoke to CEO of Help Musicians, James Ainscoe, who gave me an insight into the finer details of that announcement and told me why it may not quite be as straightforward as it sounds. The industry has responded with, with, with energy and with everybody doing what they can. So there have been some big themes. We've seen a lot of lobbying, particularly of central government. We're still waiting to see what the impact of all that lobbying will be in terms of financial support for the music sector and for the arts more generally. Other organisations have clicked uh, very effectively into fundraising and campaigning mode. And I think, you know, you look at charities like uh, Music Venue Trust, who have been incredibly impactful in galvanising music lovers and, and people who want particular venues to, to remain open to come around and support. A number of us collaborated to set up a website called coronamusicians.info. And what that does is, is points to all the best support for musicians that all, all sorts of different organisations are providing. And then, of course, there's hardship funding. And that became the big focal point for us at Help Musicians as the crisis unfolded. So could you tell me a bit about that hardship funding? Sure. The the first thing was that there was an immediate short-term need that we had to respond to very quickly because even before the government could work out whether it would or wouldn't support the unemployed or the the music sector more specifically, musicians were immediately struggling financially. So we responded quickly. On the 25th of March, we launched our first hardship fund for musicians – Um, We released £5 million of our own reserves and we received generous donations from the likes of the BPI, the Arts Council, the Royal Society of Musicians, PPL, and also actually many musicians, many music lovers, many trusts and foundations. And demand for that hardship fund was extremely high. In total, we provided one-off grants of £500 to nearly 16,700 musicians in just over four weeks. So that's £8.35 million straight out of the door. Um, This provided immediate relief whilst musicians waited to see what government support would be provided. And it showed the scale of the problem. And even even greater than that, when you remember that there were other hardship funds running as well. So the Musicians Union and Pires Benevolent Fund in particular were also doing hardship work. So what we saw in that first wave of hardship funding was the significant impact that, that lockdown had had on musicians. We then did a survey of musicians, and this was at the point that the government had announced their self-employed income support scheme. As you know, the vast majority of musicians are self-employed. So we did a survey at the beginning of April, and 87% of the 2,000 musicians who responded identified as freelancer. The problem we found is that although the Chancellor was saying that his self-employed income support scheme would pick up 95% of the self-employed, our survey showed that at least 25% of musicians expected to be excluded. And in fact, a a later survey by the Musicians' Union suggested that that figure would be higher than one third. Uh, A lot of us wrote to the Chancellor and uh, tried to persuade him to change the rules so that more musicians would be picked up. In particular, the, the rules in the scheme that cut musicians out were the ones that cut you out if you had only a year of activity or if you were part self-employed and part PAYE and lots of musicians are they work as a teacher in a school for a few days and then they perform on other days there was a £50,000 cap as well and £50,000 may seem like a lot of money but actually if you live in the southeast and you have a family and you earn £50,000 and one pence you get absolutely nothing from the government under the SCISS it's not even that you get capped you get nothing And so that would feel like a particularly harsh boundary. But the government made no changes 
And so for a large number of musicians, the only option left of them was universal credit. And we don't believe that universal credit is a system that pays enough money to allow you to survive over the long term. And we are looking at this being a long term problem for musicians. So we then launched a second round of hardship funding. We had no option but to launch a second round, particularly to focus on those musicians who are self-employed and don't get the government safety net, so only have universal credit to rely on. They can apply online. We give them assistance to go towards paying household bills and, and living costs. We opened that scheme at the beginning of June with Million Pound Fund. That's two million from us, half a million from PPL, and in fact, £50,000 from Gary Lightbody's foundation in Northern Ireland. And on the day we opened, for over four hours, we were receiving applications at the rate of one every 10 seconds. We're now at over 5,000 applications. And in the first 10 days, we've managed to process about a third of them. So we're, we're racing through as quickly as we can. But you can see still at the extent of the problem, the, the number of musicians who need support, who are either falling through the gaps in the government safety net or just unable to survive on what they receive. So we're processing, we're supporting as many as we can, and we're desperately fundraising in order to add more musicians into that scheme. The government has recently announced that live music performances can go ahead indoors from the 1st of August. Does this mean that all musicians can finally go back to work? Well, of course, it's great to hear that any performance can take place. So 1st of August is a good date for us. But let's remember that the vast majority of concerts and gigs still can't get going. For a start, venues are still operating under social distancing. And so for most, it won't be profitable to to open. Secondly, musicians and singers are still waiting for research to be done and guidelines to be given on actually who can perform issues around aerosol and droplets and all of the things still need to be resolved. Thirdly, let's remember that what we really need is certainty over the next few months to understand what elements of the roadmap will come about when, because actually what we need is 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 a full plan for full reopening. And that's the only circumstance in which venues can make money and musicians can find enough work in order to sustain them properly. So it's a very helpful step, but it's a tiny step. And I suspect we're still on course for things reopening properly, not until 2021. And that's why we need proper support for freelance musicians in the meantime from the government and clarity on what the main dates will be that things can reopen. Because at the moment, we're living in an uncertain world, which makes the difficulties of the present even more tricky. And so what are your thoughts about how the sector recovers long term? Gosh, well, I mean, the big positive is everybody loves music. Actually, what one thing lockdown has taught us is, as a nation, we love music. Whether it's children playing on the streets at 8pm on a Thursday in support of the NHS, or opera singers singing from balconies to keep the masses entertained, we've all realised how much we love and value music. And what's more, we're a communal species. We're we're a group of people who love to get together. So the long-term prognosis for the music industry has to be strong. Uh, Live music has been something we have enjoyed, human species has enjoyed for thousands of years, and that's not going to stop. So the the big question is, how do we survive the lockdown um, and how do we make sure we're intact, ready to start live music again once we're allowed to start? And there's a whole number of different points there. Firstly, financial hardship funding is, is a key thing. And what we have to make sure with government support is that it directly reaches musicians. What there's one a really interesting thing about the, the the music industry that sets it apart from virtually all other sectors in the economy. So normally in in the British economy, the core workforce are permanent employees, 
and you have some freelancers filling in the gaps. But in the music industry, it's the other way around. The core workforce, i.e. the musicians, are mostly freelancers. And it's the supporting roles that are more frequently permanent employees. So according to UK Music, there are nearly 140,000 musicians, singers, composers, songwriters, lyricists, producers and engineers. And they are the music industry. They're the ones who are creating iconic moments, creating memories that inspire us. And while they're doing that, they're also contributing £5.2 billion to the UK economy and strengthening our image abroad. So at Hell Musicians, we're particularly keen to make sure that any government package doesn't just support the infrastructure of the industry, but also directly supports the musicians themselves. Because until live performance has returned to normal levels, it cannot be assumed that just giving money to the infrastructure it will lead to any kind of meaningful trickle-down of finances to musicians themselves. So it's really important that musicians are sustained. The next point for us at Help Musicians is that financial support is also about mental well-being. So financial worries can lead to significant mental well-being issues for musicians. Lockdown also means that musicians are unable to create in the same way. They find it more difficult to collaborate. Musicians are by nature communicators and they can't communicate in the same way with audiences. And lockdown very specifically can lead to isolation, to frustration. Uh, we, we may have family loss, family death to deal with as well. And I think for the musicians community, there's a mental health time bomb ticking. And uh, at Help Musicians, we're very concerned that that's being allowed to, to carry on unaddressed. A, a good starting point is to relieve musicians of their financial worries, but also musicians will need specific health on uh, mental well-being. So as you know, we've been running Music Minds Matter, which is a dedicated round-the-clock support line and service for anyone working in the music industry. Uh, we've been running that since 2017 and would encourage musicians to keep ringing it. And in particular, if I could say one thing to, to musicians on, on mental well-being, it's, it's ring early. Ring when you feel the first sign of fragility around your mental well-being. Don't leave it till crisis mode to, to ring that helpline. In the survey we did at the beginning of April, it showed that 80% of musicians were already either worried fairly or very often about their financial situation. And 46% this is back in April, said it was having a strong or significant impact on their well-being. Seven weeks on from that survey, the situation can only be bleaker. So financial-related anxiety, it, then, it, you know, it, it impacts mental well-being, relationships, the ability to rationally manage your finances. That then has knock-on impacts on your housing, your debt rating, your everything. So financial hardship funding is, is a core part of our own response to mental well-being. But of course, Music Minds Matter is there and I would urge everybody to ring it at the first moment they think they need to. And do you think this pandemic will change the way that you support musicians in the future? It's going to have to, yeah. I mean, um, some, some things will be the same. So we already had big plans of how we were going to develop as a charity over the next few years. And so in a sense, COVID won't change our strategic direction, but it has demonstrated, I think, the need for charities like ours. So as an organisation, we feel very purposeful and energetic having dealt with this crisis so far. The COVID has shaped us as an organisation, so it's helped us to become quicker, uh, to, to, to be faster thinkers, faster deliverers, uh, and actually it's helped us to build stronger relationships and partnerships across the industry. I think where this might impact our work particularly is moving even faster towards helping musicians be more proactive, to build up their resilience and to be in a better place to deal with crises in the future. Because even if we don't have 
a countrywide lockdown in the future. Musicians will continue to face crises of one sort or another. A contract that's gone, an opportunity that's disappeared, a mental health or a physical health type of issue. And I think there's a lot more that charities like ours can do to help musicians in the good times so that when the bad times come, they have a depth and a resilience that allows them to hit those challenges and overcome them rather than be pushed back by them. That was James Ainscoe, CEO of Help Musicians. And if you'd like more information about some of the amazing work that the charity are doing, please do take a minute to visit their website, helpmusicians.org.uk, where you can check out some of the funding schemes you might be eligible for. Thanks to Mike, Rick, Whitney and James for speaking to me. This is the last episode in our COVID series, but we'll be back with series two in the autumn. And if you have suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover, email us at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com. If you would like to find out more about my research and work, have a look at lucyhayman.com. And don't forget, you can follow the podcast on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You've been listening to the Elevate Music Podcast with me, Lucy Heyman, in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thank you for listening and do remember to check out our show notes and visit helpmusicians.org.uk if you need some help. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back here in the autumn.